Good afternoon. Welcome to our podcast where we're following up on our Sunday message, The Fear of the Lord, where we talked about his severity as well as his kindness. And I'm so grateful that God is both because that's who the Bible reveals him to be. And today I'm joined by our sound engineer, Tanner Archer, who does such a great job. And my good friend, Zach McGregor, is joining us today. And uh, he's going to add a lot to our broadcast, our podcast. Zach, thanks for coming. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. a pleasure. A pleasure to have you. We'd like to get to know you just a little bit better, Zach. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself a little bit about your uh, background and maybe your family, your wife, your kids, what you do, and then uh, maybe a little bit about your education as well. Just briefly kind of <laughs> fill us in on who's Zach McGregor, the great guy you are. <laughs> Let us know. All right, here we go. So I live in Ankeny. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Stacy. Uh, we've got two boys God's blessed us with, and uh, by God's grace, we are trying to do the best we can to rear them, to fear God, and to love Jesus. How old are they? Uh, my oldest is 10, and then my youngest, Luke, he is 7. You have no challenges at all with them, right? None. They're not just at perfect all. kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> no, we just got done with baseball and try to dominate the best we could this year in baseball, and, and this this week we're going to go up to Decorah, Iowa to go canoeing and that sounds fun. Live a little, yep. You're going to get on that river up there and just kind of float through town? Absolutely, that's the goal. My wife and I have been there before. In fact, we vacationed there last summer, and uh, it was a blast. Yeah. Beautiful country up there. Yeah, don't tell too many people about it, because I like it. It's kind of secret. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, tell us uh, what you do employment-wise. Yep, yeah. Right now, I'm, I'm at TMC Transportation. It's just a trucking company. Um, I'm in their recruiting department, just help them get guys in and out of, of trucks, and we're doing the best we can there, and it's really busy right now. <laughs> I'll bet your boys love that, your little guys. Oh, they love coming to work, yeah, to yeah. see the big trucks and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, boys are into trucks. That's super. Yeah. And, and tell us about your uh, educational background, if you will. Yep. Yeah, I, I've had the, the privilege to go to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, I look back at those four years of my life as being so blessed and so uh, thankful for that time. I mean, getting exposed to church history, getting exposed to all those great thinkers and literature and philosophers, um, getting exposed to, I mean, I barely passed Greek and Latin, but just, just having exposure to the classical languages and then, you know, most importantly, just all of that, the summation of all of that history and all that language, it really did just push me into the deeper glory of Jesus Christ. And I've always looked back at those four years, just being so blessed by that. So That's great to hear. Did you have a, a favorite class or professor at Moody? Uh, that's a good one. It's a good question. Uh, probably church history. I, I've always enjoyed church history probably the most. I, I didn't know I would like it as much as I do, but I love it. So, Well, Zach, I happen to know that you're a lover of theology, and uh, I uh, would just like you to share with us, why do you love it so much, and, and why is it such a passion of yours? Yeah. I mean, you said it in the message on Sunday, theology is the study of God. Yeah. Amen. Um, 
and you can go, or I could go to a lot of passages. I think of, you know, Isaiah 40, Job 38, you know, a lot of the Psalms just really expand on the glory of God. But I'm going to use Romans chapter 11, if you don't mind. Go. 1136. And, you know, Paul, he's at the end of, of his great epistle, the purest gospel of them all, the crown jewel of the New Testament. And he's describing the glory of the gospel. And he gets to this and he's basically in doxology mode, but he says in 1136 is for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. And and so why do I love theology? Because it, it introduces us to God and that we see that God, it is from him and through him and to him. He is the great mind or the architect behind all things. Not only did he think all of this, but he is the great builder and the great creator of all things. And then he is the great owner of all of this. And and in theology, in studying God, you see that. And the, the deeper you get into this, you just realize that he is the main, main character of the story. Um, he is the telos, the, the goal, the, the end of all matters. Um, and in, in, in studying theology, you just get deeper into that glory of who God is, and it's just beautiful. The it's Bible awesome. really is the story of God. Absolutely. He's yep. the centerpiece. It's all about him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have to uh, just think out loud with you for a few moments about how our society and even our churches sometimes treat those of us who, who love theological pursuits. <laughs> Sometimes they probably say about us, you guys are kind of nerdy, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Now, I, you know, I'll confess that I am a nerd in some areas of life. I've got my, my idiosyncrasies for sure, but I don't think anybody who studies theology ought to necessarily be thought of as, as a nerd (laughs) because it's foundational, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, It really is foundational. Why do you think, Zach, it's important for believers to love it and study it, even beyond what you said just a moment ago, because here, here at Sainteville Church, we're all about equipping people. Why is it important to love theology and to study it? Yep. Well, just thinking about that, I mean, look at the New Testament, and you look at all the letters in the New Testament, the 27 books, and typically there is a, um, I guess, an erroneous doctrine that the epistles are being written to specifically. So to get into studying your Bible and studying theology, um, it will help correct and even clarify things like the epistles do. Like whether it's just a correct view of who Christ is, the Son, the eternal Son of God, you know, whether it's to correct the church or the end times, it's just all right there. And I just think a love for theology gives you and I great clarity and correction in, in our thinking. And and you guys have all heard this expression, but you know, gospel clarity equals gospel delight. Mm. And as you and I get more of a clarity on who Christ is and what he's done for us, it it truly does bring joy and delight to that believer. So the deeper a person can go into studying their Bible, it, it really is. It, it's, you know, it will strengthen their faith. Amen. You know, whether you're in highs or lows of the seasons of life and, 
um, uh, again, like philosophy, you know, they always talk about where'd we come from and, you know, is there a purpose and is there morals and, and what's our final destination and studying good theology, you see that all of that is found in Christ. Amen. Where did we come from? He created us. What's the purpose? It's to glorify him. Where are we going? We're going to be with him in the new heaven and new earth. So it's just wonderful how a good Bible teaching church and a good theology can really give you and strengthen your faith. So You know, where we're headed, really, heaven, what's going to make heaven? Heaven is God. Yeah. And he'll be the pure delight of our souls yeah. in the person of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us in the gospel. It's just going to be ecstasy on steroids, yeah. if I can put it that way, yeah. to just enjoy learning more about God, pure worship, uh, just, uh, um, shall I say, unaffected by our fallenness now. I'm curious, Zach, do you, do you read any particular theologians, uh, writers that really stimulate you to go deeper in your understanding of God? And if so, who are they? And maybe even a book or two that you might recommend? Yep. Yeah. Um, well, at Moody, I, I was introduced to the, the Reformation, that, that period with, with Luther and Calvin. And so I really kind of consumed them as much as I could in, in the four years that I was there. And I, I will confess, as much as I love Calvin and Luther, uh, I have uh, fast forward the church history clock about 120 years and cross the English Channel into the the Puritans. I really enjoy them a lot. Um, Richard Sibbs, Thomas Goodwin, John Owens, and then even in our own across the pond, Jonathan Edwards. I've really enjoyed diving into Edwards as much as I possibly can. He's a like Owens, he's a pretty tough read, but he always pays you back uh, with with a great, you know, joy and delight in Christ. And and they do such a good job at holding out Christ the best they can. So, um, but probably a recent book that I have read, I mean, it was back in college, but uh, uh, it's a book that I would really recommend to any believers, especially someone maybe just going into, hey, I'd like to beef my theological regimen up would be G.I. Packers, Knowing God. What what a great That's read. a classic. Yeah. Yeah. It you pretty much have to have that on yourself, uh, if you're a believer. <laughs> the Bible and then G.I. Packers, Knowing God. <laughs> um really good solid stuff. I, I, I enjoy John Piper. Uh, you know, among the well known guys that are, shall we say, on the media front lines. Uh, I appreciate people like John MacArthur because of his depth of theology and yep. theological thought. I, I enjoy um, R.C. Sproul. Yep. Um, there's others that we could mention. But I, I love your mention of the Puritans. I think a lot of folks really miss out on a tremendous blessing of a deeper line of thought. Very sanctifying, very edifying, very encouraging. Uh, the men you've mentioned, you know, look them up. Study the Puritans. You'll be yeah. blessed and helped. It'll do something for the formation of your sh uh, soul. And I just want to encourage you to continue in that regard. Uh, you know, as, as I think about our message series so far, uh, we're, we're talking in this series about theology on fire. And in particular, so far, we've talked about the theology of God, because really, by definition, as you've mentioned, Theology is the, the study of God. 
Um, there's various kinds of disciplines within theological study. There's what's called systematic theology. There's what's called biblical theology, historical theology. There's Old Testament, New Testament theology, uh, all kinds of approaches to getting the Bible under our belt. And we're really kind of today and in this series talking about systematic theology. Now, biblical theology would kind of center our thoughts more on a particular portion of Scripture, maybe a particular Bible passage, book of the Bible. Uh, we sometimes talk about Pauline theology, Petrine theology, the Apostle Peter, um, you know, Johannin theology, talking about the Apostle John. Uh, there, there is the theology of the Pentateuch in the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible. There's all kinds of ways of breaking it apart and looking at it, and it does something to our soul to study it in a deeper way. Uh, as I've mentioned, uh, our series so far have dealt with God, theology proper. Uh, what are some other doctrines, before we dive in further on this, some other doctrines that people really need to understand and know about? Oh, wow. Well, okay, if you ask Martin Luther that, he would definitely say justification by faith, to be declared righteous in the courtroom of God. And he would say, this is the chief doctrine of the church. It stands or falls by this one doctrine, justification by faith in Christ. And I agree with that. But again, I, I um, reading J.I. Packer in, in, in the Knowledge of God, he would, he would say Luther is wonderful, as beautiful as that doctrine is. He would say the one that maybe goes just slightly above it would be adoption. Uh, and his rationale behind it is, and he kind of takes Luther's courtroom being justified, being declared righteous in the courtroom of God, he would say it is if, the judge would then lay down his gavel, take his robes off, come down, and say, I'm, gonna, I'm going to adopt you into my family. I'm going to take you home and all the benefits you are going to enjoy as my new son installed into my family. Um, it's just, and, and, and just thinking back into the Bible, I mean, that is what makes the gospel and just, the theology of God just so wonderful that he does adopt us and install us into his family. And then that we as believers call him Abba. And that's what makes it so beautiful, so satisfying, so rich that we can call the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth who holds it together. Now he becomes our father. Christ becomes our brother. God becomes our father. We are co-heirs with Christ. All the benefits that he has, we then have as well. It's just one of those doctrines that just is so rich, and then the underpinning of all of that is just the infinite love of God to even do that, to send forth His Son in love, to then purchase us and bring us into His family, and allowing us to call Him Abba, call Him Father. So I would, I would say that's one of the doctrines that I would, would, yeah, love to hear more about and to go in deeper myself and. So I'm holding in my hands right now a, a copy of Wayne Grudem's uh, theological work called Bible Doctrine. And uh, in any typical systematic theology, we deal with a variety of subjects, theology proper, the doctrine of God, the Father. But then we also, as you've alluded, study about God the Son, God the Spirit. We talk about the doctrines of salvation. 
We talk about all the implications of that salvation, God's election, God's sovereign choice. We talk about the doctrine of sin. We talk about the doctrine of angelology, of the devil and his angels. We talk about the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of last things. Uh, I highly recommend this, this Bible doctrine by Grunem. I uh, recently been discipling a guy who wanted to go deeper, and I said, hey, why don't you get your, your arms around this book and just go deep with God? And one of the reasons I, I brought you in today, Zach, is because you have a heart to go deeper. And I want to see more people in our church have the Zach McGregor fervency for the Word of God to go deeper. It'll be a blessing to your soul. You'll understand what God has done for you, yeah. and it will make you a better worshiper of the Lord. And uh, I'm so grateful that, that you have a passion like that, and may God bless you, and may your, may your tribe increase. You know, uh, on Sunday, I talked about the fear of the Lord, which is an aspect of the doctrine of God. And uh, I, I want to kind of develop a little bit further as we kind of work on what we discussed on Sunday morning. Scripture tells us in Proverbs 1, 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And in Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Everything starts with the fear of the Lord. And I'm very much concerned that there is a, a lack of fear going on. I, I want to ask you this question. How does that biblical phrase, the fear of the Lord, excite you when you think about it, Zach? Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate how you did develop the word. It, it starts with just sheer terror of the Lord. I mean, we should be shaking in our yeah. bootstraps with just coming, thinking about even coming or approaching the throne room of Two God. Two guys are just, a lot of guys are just too chummy. Yeah. He's the man upstairs. It just lacks that respect that you're talking about. Yeah. And I mean, again, if you read a lot of Edwards, I mean, his greatest sermon, if you will, maybe, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Yeah. And, and we don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um trepidation, that fear, um, that absolute terror of God. And I don't know if you remember even some of the opening lines in that sermon of Edwards, he's like, you are on standing on a precipice one step away from falling into the abyss of the hands of an angry God. Mm. You are barely hanging on by a spider's web before you fall into the abyss of hell. You know, it's just such vivid, vivid, pictures of just it's the sheer judgment the behemothy is awaiting you know all mankind but if it's just it's just the sheer goodness and kindness of god that you have not fallen yet into that pit um so yeah that's the that's that terror side and, and fear side but then on the other side how, how you brought out it also the awe and, and the delight and the beauty of the fear of the lord and you know, as, as a believer in Christ Jesus, I love that side as well. You know, everything has a touch of the divine beauty and the divine love of God. Every blade of grass, every color, every smell, coaching baseball, you know, going canoeing on the river, it all just has a touch of the divine hand of his loving kindness on it. And just for the believer, it's, it's awe, it's, it's, it's beauty, it's delight, it's joy, um, where that kind of goes. And, and I love how you brought both sides of that out. Um, 
in, in well, the message. Well, my, my passion was you cannot fully appreciate your salvation until you realize how lost you were, yeah. how, how wickedly sinful in desperate need of a savior. And I think where that is downplayed, people really have no great appreciation for the wonder of the grace and love and mercy of God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the old adage, you know, big view of God, big view of sin, big view of the cross, big exalted view of Christ. Amen. That he has procured all of it for us. And if you have a very small view of God, it, it, it escalates small view of sin, small view of the cross, small view of Christ. So why in your estimation has this lack of fear, the fear of God and a lack of the knowledge of the Holy of God contributed to our nation's spiritual and moral freefall. How do you think those things are connected? Yeah, I mean, again, I love how you brought out, it starts in the garden. I mean, Adam and Eve, they did not fear the Lord at that situation. They were disobedient. It was a thus saith the Lord, and they said, in a perfect state, and in a perfect garden, they said, nope, I want to be my own God here. You know, and, and, and that's that's the start of it right there. And, um, you know, just other theologians throughout the century, I mean, it, it's it's an argument that goes old as Augustine and Pelagius and, and Luther and Erasmus and, and Calvin and, uh, you know, Arminius. And it's it's all the same argument, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it begins with that, that awareness and presence of the Lord. He is holy. We are sinful. But then in his great love and kindness, he has sent forth his son. Um, yeah, and, and then... I, my mind is kind of scattered here, but I am thinking of we start in Adam, the first Adam in the garden. And because of that, sin just continues to to develop and grow and grow and grow in, in all of us. And we continue to rebel. And um, I'm also thinking of like Francis Schaeffer, where he talks a little bit about, um, you know, if you don't start with God, you're like a man having his feet firmly planted in thin air. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's so true. If you don't start with God, you don't have this base. You don't have God, holy, man, sinful, Christ, beautiful. You know, you don't have that. Um, I'm also thinking of an old, old patristic father in, in Athanasius. And um, he gives this illustration of at the garden, God creates man in the Imago Dei, in the image of God. But then at the fall, we lost what it was to be in the image of God. We lost what that meant to be created in the image of God. And then he goes on to say, you know, and it took God to self-give of himself, mm. to send forth his son so that we could reclaim that, what it means to be a man of God or a woman of God. And and a fallen man, if you have lost what it means to be created in the image of God, that's going to lead to a lot of the the corruption and the loss of identity and, and all the things we see in the culture. Yeah. So, yeah. As I mentioned on Sunday, um, there are implications when you remove the fear of the Lord. And when you move from, as I expressed it apologetically, from two-ism to one-ism, where you just mix and match the creator with the creation and make them one and the same. You move into what we're currently experiencing in our culture. 
And it's horrific what's occurring all around. The moral demise is is uh, heartbreaking, to say the least. Um, I've heard it said, if you frankly just uh, believe in in anything, you'll fall for everything. Yeah. And that's where our culture is. And, and Barna ha- has done research on the evangelical church. And a large part of evangelicals are denying some of the basic tenets of the faith because they no longer go deeper into the word. They have such a superficial understanding. And it's leading to a lifestyle, even among many evangelicals, that is anything but glorifying God. Yep. Um, I want to move on to talk to you more specifically about what I mentioned on, on Sunday, the doctrines of God's severity in judgment and the doctrine of God's kindness in loving grace. Do those, do those contradict each other? Uh, some folks would say, well, why cannot God just be only loving? What would you say, Zach? Oh boy. Um, well, to answer the first question, no, they don't contradict. Um, from our human, sinful, fallen perspective, yeah, it's it's a hard one to harmonize. Um, but yeah, no, they don't disconnect. I mean, this is God who is almighty, all-wise, all-powerful. He does not contradict himself. So that's first and foremost. I mean, we might sit as sinful man and question this or that about his sovereignty, but we can never question his holy character first and foremost. But um, as far as like the, the judgment uh, of God, I mean, he is so holy. I mean, Isaiah 6 just comes to mind, holy, holy, holy. And he cannot compromise. He cannot negotiate sin. And so that he, he can't not deal with sin. Um but again, in sheer loving kindness that's beyond word or description, he sends forth his son, you know, in infinite love and infinite kindness, he sends forth his son uh, to concretely demonstrate this love to sinful man. And I just think that, I mean, one that maybe that's a way to kind of harmonize it in my simple mind, just wrath of God because he is so holy and, and almighty, we are sinful but because of just sheer love, he sends forth his son. Uh, Isaiah 55, you know, we use this verse, his ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. And a lot of times we use that when we're really stuck with a question maybe. But if you look at the context here in Isaiah 55, it's in the context of his loving kindness. His thoughts about love are so much higher than our thoughts. His his thoughts and, you know, his ways are much higher than our ways when it comes to loving kindness. And, you know, that's, I think that's kind of the beauty of the judgment plus the loving kindness, you know, how they kind of harmonizes. We have to believe that the Holy Scriptures are God's revelation, self-revelation of himself. And the, the full-orbed view of God must be developed from a systematic understanding of Scripture. And from cover to cover, the Bible explains that he is holy. Yeah. Um, God is is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit. And in truth, you have to have both involved there, John 4, verse 24. We, we struggle today 
to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but they don't because they don't really see themselves as being lost. In, in, in my experience, I don't really have a problem getting people saved. I have a problem getting them lost. <laughs> they don't see themselves as being separated from a holy God. But by definition, he he must be absolutely perfect and righteous and and just, or he would not be God. Yeah. He's not a doting, you know, old man in heaven sitting in his rocking chair, just letting people do what they want to do. He is the end all who is fully holy, which means entirely other, distinct, above us, transcendent. He is the self-existent one. We believe in the aseity of God. But we also have to understand that 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 anger towards sin is counterbalanced by his love towards sinners. As I mentioned from Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God demonstrates his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, And Romans 1 is contrasted by Romans chapters 3 through 5, actually all the way up through Romans chapter 8, and and then the divine sovereignty of God in chapters 9 and 10 and and 11. So they don't contradict each other. They just complement each other when you understand the nature of who our God is. Uh, Zach, I want to make this personal here. Um, I actually don't know your testimony. Um, I, 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 I think I know something about how you came into the family of which you were part as a child. Can you tell us a little bit about your family history physically and then how you became a part of the family of God? Yep. Um, well, I, I was adopted. I don't know if you knew, knew that, but uh, born and raised in South Korea and then in the sovereign plan and in the providence of God, I was adopted, moved to Iowa, Mike and Becky McGregor. Um, so that's kind of the, I guess the backpack story there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, moving on to salvation story, I'm, I'm a product of junior high uh, church camp, Clear Lake, Iowa. Amen. Yep. Um, I remember, I don't remember the pastor's name who spoke, but I do remember his outline. And speaking of Romans, he basically did little sermonettes out of the book of Romans. And, and I'll never forget his outline. He, he, like you just said, Kurt, I mean, chapter one, God, creator, God, righteous. And then if you go one eighteen through two and three, it's man is sinful. I mean, you're going to find yourself in one of those buckets that man is sinful and depraved. And then at 321, I remember he just kept saying, but now the righteousness of Christ is revealed. And I just, I'll, I'll never forget that when he said that and he slowed it down like a good pa- preacher, pastor would say. And even before he was done, I once was blind but now I saw, I saw, I saw the beauty of Christ and his perfect righteousness that he freely gives through what he's done for us on the cross. And I remember even in junior high thinking that is so wonderful. (laughs) That is so beautiful. Um, that God who I've offended personally with my sin, he has then sent forth his son and the righteousness that I need freely given to me. I was once blind and now I see. So that's that's kind of the the quick testimony. That's that's the doctrine of God's grace and drawing you to himself. Yeah. Beautiful. It is always a beautiful thing to hear and to to understand. And and now I know a little bit further as I think about it, 
why you love the doctrine of adoption yeah e- even more because of what happened physically personal yeah, yeah personal and now spiritually in christ you've been adopted as a member of the family of god yep what Amen. what joy is that and uh, I, I my prayer is that folks listening in today might have their their appetite whetted just a little bit more to see how much deeper we can go understanding who God is and what he's done. Our series is going to continue on Sundays, and we're going to broaden beyond just the uh, doctrine of theology proper. We're going to be talking about other things. Uh, I'm actually preaching on uh, the doctrine of God's grace and suffering about a month from now myself, and looking forward to that as I move into 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But a variety of speakers, including Pastor Pat and others, are going to be coming to the pulpit and expounding more upon this great doctrine of of God and theology on fire. And we hope that folks will want to join us as we continue to study God's Word together. Uh, Zach, anything you'd like to say in closing about your passion for people really connecting with God further theologically and in the Word? Uh, Sounds like you've followed him you know, from your early days because of God's grace, but but you continue to passionately study them, and you're trying to do that with your wife and your kids at home too. Any insights about any of that, even with your own kids, how you try to excite them about God? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, it Christ is so lovely and so delightful. He alone can capture our hearts. And so, you know, just I'm thinking of Spurgeon a little bit, but he has been influential on my own life. If I can point everybody I can to the loveliness and delightfulness of Christ, you know, and even reading Old Testament, you can see how that points towards that coming Messiah Mm -hmm. or uh, reading through the gospels with my kids, you know, at the dinner table, just saying this, he is the center. He is the cornerstone. He is the center of all things and reading the epistles and explaining who Christ is and just the best you can as a, as a man, as a woman, see Christ in all of it. And, and I think that's the best advice I could ever give. I mean, just look and glory in Christ. And our kids really take their cue from us. If dad's excited about God and the Bible, about theology, about Bible doctrine, then they're more likely to want to be excited about it too. I just really appreciate that about you, Zach, that you have a passion for the word and for God and you're you're passing it on to your kids. You know, God bless you. You know, I, I, I confess to you that I I actually asked, requested on Sunday morning the last three songs we sang. I wanted to set up the message by talking about the lion and the lamb, the greatness of our God and the person of his son, Jesus. And then after, after, we, after I preached, I, I wanted to emphasize God's amazing grace, that Phil Wickham song. This is amazing grace. What a theme, but you could only fully enjoy it if you understand how lost you were and how desperately in you need you were, but how God met that need for us in Christ. Yeah. This is the glory of the gospel. This is the joy of the Lord that gives us strength. And then to celebrate the glorious day of uh, Jesus' soon return, when all this darkness is going to be turned to light. Ah, beautiful. Beautiful. Great things in store for the children of God. Zach, thanks for joining me today. 
Thank you, Tanner, for being our sound engineer again. A uh, real delight to have uh, all of you listening in. Hope you were excited and uh, that you've been maybe pumped up a little bit to uh, get into the Word of God to study more about the greatness of our God. And may He bless you and excite you as you do so. Have a great day.